How powerful is Cox Internet? Powerful enough to let your band members in Vegas, Phoenix, and Rhode Island jam like you're all in the same garage. Get Cox Internet powered by fiber with America's fastest download speeds. It's Internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox, always building better. Cox Internet is connected to the premises via coaxial connection. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms and other restrictions may apply. Analysis by Eucalypt Speed Test Intelligence Data. Fixed median download speeds. USQ3 2023. Celebrate and save at Ashley's anniversary sale. With Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases. And shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details. In the air, left center field. This one is carrying back towards the wall, and it's going to head all the way to the fence. Big insurance run will score to extend the lead to four. Andrew Vaughn off the bench delivers. Welcome back inside the clubhouse, Chicago Sports Radio, 670 to score. David Hall, Bruce Levine here until 11 o'clock, talking baseball, talking Cubs, talking White Sox. Big news in baseball, of course, overnight. Carlos Correa signs a three-year, $105 million contract with the Minnesota Twins. Kind of a surprise that he would go that direction, and it affects every uh, every team in that division. And we will uh, certainly look at how it affects the Cubs and the White Sox. And we go now to the score hotline brought to you by Circa Resort and Casino in Las Vegas, home of the world's largest sports book. And that is where we find White Sox slugger Andrew Vaughn. Good morning, Andrew. How are you? I'm doing good. How about yourself? Doing well. I didn't know how to introduce you. White Sox designated hitter, White Sox first baseman, White Sox outfielder. How are you being introduced these days and how's it going? <laughs> oh, Andrew's fine with me, but everything's going good, you know. Just... Uh... <laughs> Happy to be back playing. Andrew, it was great talking to you yesterday in Glendale and uh, catching up with you, uh, just playing baseball again and uh, media in the locker room. It's just it's, it's such a great thing for us to just to be able to, to have our uh, relationships reestablished. Uh, as far as how you're looking at this year, uh, let's, let's, let's go to your offseason and what did you concentrate on most of all in the offseason as far as getting back and uh, taking your experience of your first year in the major leagues and knowing what it's going to take to be a major leaguer going forward. Yeah, for me, I think this offseason was uh, really important because, you know, I got to I got a taste of what a full season was like last year. I haven't had one because of all the circumstances lately in the last couple of years. So I think the biggest thing was just preparing my body to be able to go through 162 games plus playoffs and, uh, just be ready to, you know, tackle that head on. How would you describe, Andrew, the last year in your baseball life? Because it's fun to reminisce and look back at just a year ago, you were basically getting the news that Tony LaRusso said, okay, you want it bat? You're an outfielder. And it was a shock to everybody's system when Eloy Jimenez went down. And I think it was is almost an equal surprise to see how quickly you adapted to playing outfield, learning the job at the major league level. How would you describe the last year of adjustment? Yeah, you know, this game is its a game of learning. You're always learning. You should never stop. And I think it was, uh, it was a great experience, you know, getting to play something I've really never played before. I maybe played outfield a handful of games in my entire life growing up. And 
you know, working with Debo and getting in the outfield and just doing my work is probably the most important thing I did to prepare myself to go on the field and, you know, make the place for my pitchers that were on the mound. Talking about your, your hitting, uh, which, which is uh, the, the major tool, I mean, obviously you're a baseball player. You can play all those positions, and you, you did it seamlessly uh, in the outfield last year. But your bat is something that scouts and other people talk about the most. Where, where do you think your, your hitting tool is at right now? And uh, learning what it takes to be a big league hitter, what were some of the adjustments, Andrew, that you had to make as far as hitting in the big leagues as opposed to being a dominant player in college and in the minor leagues? Yeah, I mean, in the big leagues, it's the best of the best. I mean, you're going to face the best arms every single day, and, you know, you got to adjust. The guys, they're not going to miss their spots too often. you got to learn how to hit some mistakes and catch up to some velocity because that's the new part of the game. Everybody's thrown 95-plus, so kind of got to take your, take your adjustments, take your work, and, you know, prepare for each game. Joined by White Sox weapon, Andrew Vaughn, here on Chicago Sports Radio 670 Score. Do you like that weapon? You're an offensive weapon in this lineup, Andrew. And I think that people wonder, last year you didn't get any warning about how to go into left field and, and do, do the job well. This season, maybe you come into it a little bit more prepared. But it could be right field that you're playing. And it could be right field a different vantage point. How have you prepared for that? And how different is that role potentially from playing in left field? Yeah, you know, outfield's all the outfield, but there's some differences between the corners. I mean, balls are traveling different directions. There's more balls are hit to left some games, more balls are hit to right. You know, you just have to you have to prepare. You have to go out and put your work in, take fly balls, take ground balls, work in batting practice, seeing balls off the bat, and just uh, you just got to be ready for anything. I know you have a special relationship with Frank Menachino, the hitting coach for the uh, Chicago White Sox, but can you talk about another one that you have and a guy that's had uh, some real special interest in you, and that's your relationship and uh, what you uh, what you glom from your conversations with Jim Tomey, the Hall of Famer and front office executive for the Chicago White Sox? Yeah, I mean, Jim is, uh, first of all, he's a one-of-a-kind human being. He's... Uh, He's amazing, um, and he loves this game, loves this game to death like all of us, and he's always out here. He's sitting by the cage watching your swings, talking to you, you know, working on some drills, say, hey, I did this, and, you know, when Jim Tomey speaks, it's uh, for a Hall of Fame guy, you're, you're going to listen. You're going to drop everything you're doing and, and talk to him about that, and you can always learn something from him because he's so knowledgeable about this baseball game. Andrew, taking it a step further, his enthusiasm and his love of the game and the people in it, how much has that rubbed off on you? Yeah, you know, his his positive attitude, he shows up every single day to the field in spring, and he brings it, and it just makes you want to bring it just as much as he does because it makes it more fun when we're all out here competing together instead of, you know, just kind of going through the motions. you got to go out here and, and do your best. That's what makes it fun. Winning's fun. That's uh, That's the name of the game. Getting the W at the end of the day, uh, you can go home happy. Andrew, what was your offseason like? A lot of uncertainty because of the lockout, a lot of things that were delayed maybe in terms of you know, preparation had to be a little bit more uh, unique in, the, in your approach because you couldn't gather with the team, couldn't be at team facilities. How would you describe your offseason? 
Yeah, you know, we just really had, it was all uncertainty. So, uh, I mean, I was bouncing around. I stayed down here in Arizona. I was working out at Arizona State, Grand Canyon. Uh, we were going to Notre Dame Prep, a couple hit factories. And, you know, got to say thank you to all those guys for allowing us to get our work in. And it, it was tough because, you know, we just had to kind of make things work, had to get a group of guys together, and which we had a lot of guys down here. And we all, uh, we all went to work, and it was, it was good, I think. What's your emphasis in terms of little things to focus on? You obviously showed you belonged last year. This is the next step. What are the things that you need to improve on in your mind to make it a big next step? Yeah, there's there's a couple factors to that. You gotta you gotta do the little things right. I think that's the most important thing. And you know, show up every single day ready to work. Because that 162 games, it's a grind. It's you gotta show up every day, no matter how you're feeling. And you got to go to work. You got to try to put on a show for the fans and the stands, and ultimately try to put some stuff together with the team and get the win. Andrew, uh, David, and I appreciate you joining us very much today. I know you have to get to work right away. So I, the last one from me is uh, with all the unique personalities you have on this team, and they are unique and they are different, but they are all about winning. What would you what would you describe the personality of the White Sox as if somebody uh, asked you just to contain it into a sentence or two as to what 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 are the White Sox all about? Yeah, you know, there's so many things that that go on in this clubhouse because we just got such a good group. I mean, we've signed some guys this off season, and uh, you know, the vibes are good. Um, we got an unbelievable squad and. Hopefully this year we, we learned from last year in the playoffs. We got to October, but let's get to October and let's finish through and, you know, take it all the way. That's the goal. Are you more vocal this year? Are you more likely to say something, contribute in a very loud clubhouse? I would imagine last year maybe you want to be seen but not heard, or heard this year. Is that a little bit different just because of your comfort level? Yeah, you know, I mean, last year was the introductory year. Nobody really knew each other, and uh, except for the guys that were already previously here, but a lot of new faces around. And I think this year was a, a, everybody got here, and it was a, hi, how you doing, instead of a nice to meet you. And, you know, I think, uh, I think those relationships are just going to build, and it's going to be uh, a special season. Thanks for your time this morning, Andrew. Really appreciate it. Good luck this season, and hope to talk again soon. Thanks for having me on, guys. I appreciate it. Thank you, Andrew, Andrew Vaughn, great young hitter for the White Sox, regardless of where he plays, regardless of where he hits, Bruce. This is one of those guys that I think when you look at, you know, in the larger context of, of trade conversations and what moves do they need to make and who do they need here or there, I think pretty consistently people feel like Andrew Vaughn is somebody who is a big part of the White Sox future and would they would be very reluctant uh, – to dealing him, even though that may be the first name that teams like the Oakland A's or teams that are engaged in trade conversations with the White Sox, the first name that they want to know, how attached are you to this young hitter? I had dinner with Steve Stone the other night, and we talked about Vaughn for about 15 minutes. And uh, and he likes he likes Vaughn as well as uh, any young hitter in baseball. He, he believes that this guy is going to be uh, a great hitter, not just a good hitter. And uh, when, when Steve talks, and, and, you know, we talk all the time, and, and people have been blessed to hear Steve over the last uh, 35 years in Chicago, both in Cubs and White Sox baseball, he's not usually very wrong. He's usually <laughs> right on. Uh, 
I think he was the first uh, one to, to talk about Dylan Cease uh, when they, he first started with the White Sox and how he felt that Cease is going to build himself into being one of the top pitchers in the American League. And with Vaughn, he really believes that this is going to be uh, a great hitter. And, and if it's at first base or DH or in right field, you know, whatever it is, the guy's going to hit. And, and uh, I think the White Sox have a special player there. And I think that's what's preventing them from making a move for a, a Conforto or another another hitter at this point. I, I, I believe it's going to be all about adding a pitcher or two. To your point, Steve Stone last night went to the Twitter machine, and then everybody who was a White Sox fan, a baseball fan, is glad that Steve is back on Twitter uh, fairly regularly now. Stoney texts or tweets this about Andrew Vaughn. When I faced a hitter, I paid attention to his balance at the plate. If I could affect his balance with change of speeds, he was in for a tough night. Watch Andrew Vaughn hit. He can square up pitches because of his balance. He's young and developing every day. He will be a star. That's pretty high praise from a guy who, as you point out, not only has seen a lot of baseball, but been right more often than not when he's analyzing what he sees in front of him from the booth, and that's encouraging. And I think it just speaks to everything we just talked about, Andrew Vaughn. Not untouchable. Nobody is, I, I think, you don't want at that stage of their career. But I don't think the White Sox are certainly in any hurry to, to do something they would regret later because this guy is just on the verge of breaking through. David, I guarantee you this, and I know this is a fact, the first name that's mentioned when Rick Hahn sits down to talk trade with other teams is Andrew Vaughn, okay? That, that is a, that's the first thing. And, and the first thing uh, that Rick says is, well, try to choose someone else that you like uh, because uh, I don't think the White Sox are moving uh, this young player. They, they are so blessed with a young talent right now when you start with uh, Jimenez and Robert and him in the outfield and you talk about Anderson at short Mankata is still a young guy that should have his best years at uh, second base. Uh, you know, they have tremendous young talent and it's under contract control for a long time, which is uh, probably really good news to the front office and even better news to the White Sox fan base. So I look at it this way. Andrew Vaughn is either going to help you fill your void in right field or be the designated hitter, or a combination of both. He is waiting in the wings for whatever happens with Jose Abreu's future. As we pointed out in the last segment, if Jose Abreu rides off into the sunset after winning a World Series, they're protected at first base because of Andrew Vaughn's presence. Bruce, how do you feel about the other two, I guess, position areas or areas that the White Sox maybe haven't adequately addressed to the liking of, of many of their fans? They still need a backup catcher. And second base, Josh Harrison came in this week and obviously is a veteran who has a personality that fits ideally in that clubhouse. He's got an approach at the plate that I think Sox fans will come to appreciate. How do you feel about second base if it is a platoon system between Harrison and Lurie Garcia? Well, I love Josh Harrison, and, and, and I think you identified it correctly, David. It will be a platoon with Leori and Harrison. And remember... Uh, Harrison can play other positions as well. He, he's very adept at third base. He can play outfield in a pinch. Uh, this is this makes Garcia more viable for a manager like Tony Larusa, who loves the versatility of Garcia. We talk uh, ad nauseum these days about 
how baseball teams and managers want guys to play multiple positions. And they do. And they put them in a lot of positions. But the, the reality is, David, is a lot of the guys that they use in different positions, they're not really good defensively at all those positions. They're just offensive players that they keep moving around to keep the, uh, the offensive line moving. And in the case of, uh, of Garcia, you have a guy that is above average as an outfielder in all three positions. Uh, uh, at least average at shortstop, above average at second base. Uh, this is something, uh, that type of versatility uh, makes, makes things uh, really nice for Tony La Russa. That, that's why Garcia, to me, is one of the more important players on the team. And, and Harrison is going to be that type of player, too. He has uh, reinvented himself after a clunky year or year and a half that he had in the major leagues. And you said it so well. And you know this. His personality fits perfectly with the Chicago White Sox. He is a, uh, a guy that's well-respected, well-liked, and uh, has a, a presence on every team that he's been on. And uh, the White Sox really did their homework in, in bringing in the makeup and the abilities of Josh Harrison. I think White Sox fans are really going to like watching him play. I know it's a small thing, Bruce, but it is. It seems important and consistent with the Sox approach. You, we talk about Harrison. Joe Kelly is a personality who is is a guy, as we heard earlier this week on the score, not afraid to to say what he's thinking. And I don't think that is just restricted to interviews. I think he's going to be one of these lively personalities in a clubhouse full of them. They've got Tim Anderson. They've got Liam Hendricks. They've got Eloy, who has as much fun and leads the league in fun. I think when you're Going out, it's more than just writing a blank check and saying to you know the free agent that you need to fill a spot in your lineup and looking at the metrics, okay, this works. I think Rakan's done a nice job, and maybe this is by design, or maybe it's by accident, but it is the, in reality, of filling this clubhouse with personalities that are strong personalities but are allowed to be themselves in a clubhouse with the manager and Tony La Russa where people wondered if that would be the case. It is the case. Well, you know, they have the luxury as well. Kenny Williams, you know, certainly a big part of that mix as well. They have the luxury of talking to Tony La Russa and, uh, before they make a move. And, and if he doesn't know the player directly, um, he does know uh, people that he's close to throughout baseball. Uh, people talk about Tony like he disappeared from 2011 until he showed up with the White Sox last year. And that's hardly the case where he was in the... He was in the uh, commissioner's office. He ran the, uh, the Arizona Diamondbacks for four years. He was with the Boston Red Sox and the Angels as a top consultant and always there every day. So this is a guy that still knows all the players in the game and, uh, and knows their makeup and can make a call or two calls and know even better. So that is a luxury that Rick has to be able to turn to Tony before they make a move and say, what do you think? Uh, that's not done in every, uh, in every team uh, or in every front office throughout Major League Baseball. Bruce, you're in Arizona doing a great job covering spring training. You had a conversation with Adbert Alzali, the Cubs' right-hander, the other day that I want to get into next because it speaks to some of those concerns that you voiced earlier about the – you know, prevalence of injuries in this compressed spring training and what that might mean not only for the Cubs and the White Sox, but throughout baseball. We'll look at that next here inside the clubhouse, Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score. Adbert, the 
he's had some some shoulder tightness. Still trying to figure out the extent of it, but um, you know we we expect he's going to start the season on a DL, and I, I don't think it's going to be a, a minimum DL stint. So still trying to get to the bottom of a lot of the, a lot of injuries right now, or just a lot of like player fitness. I think that we're meeting with the players, getting a sense of where they are, like who's who's thrown seven bullpens, who's thrown two live BPs versus who's been off a mound three times. And I think guys are in various stages of, of fitness right now. Welcome back inside the clubhouse, Chicago Sports Radio 6-7 to score. David Hoffman's combined until 11 o'clock. That was Jed Hoyer a couple days ago talking about the injury to Adbert Alzelay, who was placed on the 60-day uh, disabled list, injured list with a problem with his shoulder and his lat, and he suffered it a few weeks ago. Timetable for return unclear. Also over in Boston, down in Florida, Chris Sale for the Red Sox has a stress fracture in his rib cage, Bruce. And I wonder if we are paying more attention to these kinds of injuries because of the, the, the compressed nature of spring training. Are they popping up more? Is this a, a forewarning for more to come? How do you interpret these injuries and how it's related to, you know, the the shortened spring training and, and what's ahead? Well, I don't think we've seen the effects of the shortened spring training yet. I think we've seen the effects of players training on their own for three months. Right. And that, that is, that's where we're really at right now. And, and that's, that's the devastating part for uh, teams, uh, strength and conditioning coaches, teams, trainers, teams, doctors, teams, general managers, they're all looking at him going, gosh, I can't imagine how he trained and he got hurt. Now, the reality is they get hurt anyways in spring training. But the, these, are, these are, are training issues and medical staffs that have just seen these players, David, for a week. Uh, and and uh, it, it's really, uh, you know, it, it's the first time where they can step back and go, you know, this isn't on us. Uh, we're dealing with it, but it's not on us. In the case of Alzlai, it's the same injury that he had in 2018. It's really unfortunate because it's it's if you're you're talking about a lat, you're talking about under your right shoulder uh, moving up toward the top of the shoulder. So under your arm moving up mm-hmm. toward your right shoulder, and uh, this is a really a, a devastating thing for the, the the Cubs because of the fact that. Uh, we've seen Alzali at his best, he can be dominant. Uh, 95 to 97 mile an hour fastball, outstanding breaking ball, you know, a uh, slider that he uh, has redeveloped in the, uh, uh, with the Cubs in their, um, you know, in their sessions with him. And uh, uh, at the very worst, uh, a really fine bullpen guy at the, at the best, you know, a rotation pitcher and, now he's on the 60-day DL or IL, whatever you want to call it right now. And um, when he does come back, it's going to be a slow play. So th- this might be this might be one of those years where you get nothing out of the guy. And, and it, I think it's I think it's really rough on them because he's really, if you look at it, David, he's he's really the only starting pitcher that the Cubs have really developed uh, in the last 10 years. That's what underscores it all, and it's low-key bad news, no doubt about it. He made 21 starts for them last year, pitched 125 innings, and I think was in a position to take that step on a, on a, in a rotation where he would be you know, counted on and relied upon, and maybe you know, this would be what they have been waiting for. And now 
it's a setback. And I think you spoke to him the other day. I just wonder how he is taking the news because of the reality is that he's now put himself in a position not to be counted on in 2022. Really down uh, with a positive way of talking about it and approach of looking for the future, not being able to control the present. Um, and uh, really, uh, you know, kind of relying on teammates, coaches, and uh and, you know, the Cubs' uh, psychological uh, support system there to get him by because this is a, a you know, this guy's a, a proud guy. He, he felt this was the year he was going to step up and prove that he is a starting pitcher and be a dominant one in the National League. So uh, I know maybe uh, Cub Nation didn't necessarily believe he was ready yet. I don't think uh, most player, most uh, teams and people that look at him quite were aware of him yet, but... Uh, the Cubs really um, lost something here in not having Alzali to begin this season and maybe for most of the 2022 campaign. So David Ross removes the doubt. Alec Mills will be in the rotation. The fifth starter will be right now a competition between Justin Steele, Keegan Thompson, and maybe somebody to be named later. Drew Smiley, you mentioned, could be in the mix. I, I wonder if the Cubs can get – find a way to make a trade to get somebody who is more dependable, Bruce, a veteran who looks, you look at it and you think, okay, there's 25 to 30 starts right there. If they can do that, I think the rest, uh, you start to look at them and maybe a little differently. And it all goes back to our original conversation about the Cubs, not knowing exactly what to expect this season yet. And maybe what they do in the rotation uh, before the season starts will, will provide a bigger clue. So I, I think this is their approach. Sign free agent pitchers, trade for controllable pitchers for now and the future. And uh, I think that's the tricky part for Hoyer and company is to, uh, you know, if you are going to trade Wilson Contreras, do you trade for a couple stud pitchers uh, from another organization that are a year or two away? Uh, Is that enough for Wilson Contreras? Uh, Do you get a, a stud pitcher and a top catching prospect knowing that your top catching uh, prospect Miguel Amaya is still recovering from Tommy John and will miss uh, most of this year uh, not knowing how that's going to come back certainly he was on a fast track to the top of the minor leagues and was uh, well thought of but uh, after this uh, Tommy John surgery don't have him right now so from that perspective you know uh, there, there are a lot of moving parts for the Chicago Cubs I, w- I would expect just about anything but I think I think trades are, are where, where they're going to be at uh, moving forward right now. One guy who they will be counting on, we expect, is first baseman Frank Schwindel. And he will join us next on Inside the Clubhouse, Chicago Sports Radio 670th score. Lorenzen fires. Ground ball, right field, base hit. Rivas rounding third, heading home. Castellanos throws to the plate. The throw not in time. Cubs take the lead. Frank Schwindel strikes again. Welcome back inside the clubhouse, Chicago Sports Radio, 674. David Hall, Bruce Levine, here until 11 o'clock. That was a great highlight from last year. Great to hear Pat Hughes. His voice represents the return of baseball, calling a big hit by Frank Schwindel. And there were many of them last year for Frank Schwindel, the big surprise for the Cubs at first base. And he joins us now on the guest hotline presented by Circa Resort and Casino in Las Vegas, home of the world's largest sports book. Good morning, Frank. How are you? I'm doing great, guys. How about you? 
We're doing well. Bruce and I are, are pleased that you took the time out of your busy schedule out there in Arizona to join us. Let's get the important stuff out of the way. I know you're a Jersey guy, and you also went to St. John's, so you're a Big East guy. How much pride did you take in the, the St. Peter's upset of Kentucky in the brackets? Did that ruin your bracket, or did it make your day? Uh, to be honest, I have no idea. I did a couple for charity, but uh, pretty much coin flips. Okay. How are things going for you overall baseball-wise uh, this spring training? Finally, you're able to report after the end of the lockout. Yeah, all good so far. Just happy to be back out here with the guys. And, uh, you know, we're getting after it and getting ready for this upcoming season. Frank, looking back uh, on the winter and uh, what uh, what Chicago Cubs and what you provided for the Chicago Cubs and their fan base last fall, uh how many moments did you have where you say, gee, all this work over uh, my whole life uh, from Little League on finally has begun to, to pay off for me and my family? Uh, did you have some of those pinch me moments where, uh, you know, the great satisfaction kicked in? Or was it more of, hey, I got to keep working harder to make sure uh, this thing stays where it's at? Uh, that's a good question. I'd say a little bit of both, um, you know. You know, some of those long days midway through the the off season, kind of kind of sit back and kind of think about what happened, and uh, yeah, it made it definitely last year made it all the work I've ever put in worth it. Uh, it was an unbelievable run, and uh, yeah, that just made me want it even more. So you know, got back in the gym, got back in the cages, and uh, tried to you know tune everything up for this upcoming year. But yeah, you know, a couple of times I'd sit back and reflect, and you know, man, it was something special. How did it change your life? Uh, how did it change your approach? I mean, we talk about, obviously, you've had a little bit more high visibility. You're doing stuff for charity. You're out there. People recognize you. It, when you look back at the last six to eight months since the, you know, you ended a season that was very you know, promising and unexpected, how, how have things changed overall for Frank Schwindel? Uh, you, know, a little, you know, a little busier, but I'd say overall not too much. Um, like you said, get recognized here and there, but uh, still, I feel like I'm a pretty normal guy and, you know, very approachable. So, yeah, other than that, uh, not too much has changed. So what was the buzz like in camp uh, yesterday uh, with the uh, your new teammate, teammate uh, Seiya Suzuki, coming in? And, uh, you know, certainly I watched on the periphery like the rest of the media and saw his uh, press conference up close and personal, but... What, what have you and uh, your teammates taken out of this? And uh, maybe more importantly, uh, the commitment toward the future for, for you and fr- from the Chicago Cubs in the front office. No, it was, it was cool to see. Uh, obviously, he was, he was one of the best players over there. So it's awesome to have him over here now. And unfortunately, I didn't get to see MVP. Uh, he was in the stadium, and I heard he hit almost every ball out in his last couple rounds. So. That's a great guy to have in the middle of the lineup and a great guy to have, uh, yeah, you know, helping us out. What are realistic expectations for you? And when you come into spring training, uh, how uh, how much more comfortable are you and confident given what you accomplished last season? Yeah, you know, definitely more confident than uh, springs in the past, knowing that, you know, I can I can hit at this level and, you know, I can perform just, you know, with, with anybody. So, um uh, yeah, just definitely uh, a, a, men, a mental mindset of uh, being more confident and, you know, just knowing I'm, I'm you know, supposed to be here and, 
you know, the confidence that they showed in me, putting me out there every day, is it, it meant a lot. So, you know, I'm just going to build off that and keep it going. From uh, December through uh, last week, you had to train on your own, like all major league players had to because of the lockout. What type of uh, special challenges were there for you with no contact with anybody with the Cubs, uh, the front office, uh, the medical group, the trainers, or the instructors? What was what was that challenge like? Or because you've always been a self-motivator, as you just describe yourself, it was uh, kind of business as usual. Yeah, I'd say pretty much business as usual. Um, you know, they left it up to us. They trusted us to show up ready. And um, I think it just about everybody has. So, uh, you know, I've had the same hitting coach for a while. Um, I've had the same trainer for a while back home. So we stuck to pretty much the same plan and, uh, you know, prepared like it was any other year. What was David Ross's biggest message to the team when everyone finally got together, the lockout was over, and the focus was baseball? Oh, he was excited. Um, he definitely, you know, he was all smiles. He's just like, now this is what we do. This is what we're, we're here to win, and we're, we're back to work. So, uh, yeah, after that first meeting when we got back, everybody was fired up and uh, we're ready to get to work. You know, uh, it was it was really fun to watch you uh, be successful last year with the Cubs. But um, I, I think people were as drawn to your personality and the way you are uh, just as much as the great success you had for two months. I have friends that uh, run AU Sports memorabilia where you went and and had a signing one day, and and they have players there all the time. They said you were you were the the nicest person and the most down-to-earth guy they've ever had out there for a, a signing. Uh, how, mu- how much of that uh, has come back to you, and, and how much does that mean to you to, to be uh, you know, picked up by the Cub fans and, and understand that it's just more than a, a player out there. It's just it's a personality. It's a person fitting in with Cub Nation. No, I mean, uh, that definitely means a lot. But, uh, you know, the, the fans have been unbelievable to me. Uh, you know, you're not going to play baseball forever, but, you know, you're going to be uh, what judged on, you know, being a, a good man, stuff like that. So, uh, you know, I think that's all part of being, a, you know, a good player and good person. And uh, that that's all comes to, you know, I take pride in, in stuff like that. And, you know, I can't make everybody happy, but I feel like uh, I, the fans are just as important as uh, anything else in the game. So. They're here for us, and we're here to put on a good show. But, you know, the interactions have been awesome. New hitting coach, Brown, comes over. Uh, Frank, and I wonder just in terms of is there any one point of emphasis team-wide throughout the the lineup that is being focused on? Do you have to be, you know, conscious of the fact that what you did last season works so you don't want to change too much dramatically because you want that consistency to continue? Right, yeah. I told him in uh, one of our first phone calls, he's like, what do you need What do you need to work on, all that stuff. And I'm like, I feel like uh, I want to do exactly the same thing. So we're going to keep the same plan. And, and he laughed, and uh, we'll go from there. But, um, yeah, no, it's just putting together some good at-bats and, uh, you know, grinding out at-bats for the team and stuff like that. And, you know, that's what, it, that's what we need to do to be successful. The last one for me, Frank, is uh, having hit now your first spring training with the Cubs – uh, being in Mesa, Arizona uh, for the first time, uh, seeing your new teammates, and being a major league player 
in your mind and everybody else's. How, how much different is that for you uh, to be able to, to come in with that philosophy and, uh, and the knowledge that this is your team, this is where you belong? Yeah, it's just uh, it's just an awesome feeling. Definitely a, a different, you know, a different vibe from this camp. You know, like you said, being a starter for the first time. Um, you know, starting these games, uh, not coming in in like you know the seventh inning, stuff like that. Um, it's just uh, it's just it's just awesome. Like I said, that they had the confidence in me to, you know, throw me out there all those games and give me an opportunity. And you know, it's been an awesome camp so far. We're gonna keep it going and. Uh, yeah, like I said, it's just been uh, different vibes, and it's been a lot of fun. How unusual is it to come back as a guy that is being counted on and not necessarily – everyone's got to prove themselves every day, but ha- knowing the fact that you did your part last year to come back and walk into camp like you belong. Yeah, that's huge. And, um, you know, just have them having the confidence in me, um, you know, helps me. I've always believed in myself as a player, but sometimes, you know, when you're not getting the results or maybe not getting that call up, then it's uh, not necessarily second guessing it, but you want to see results. And then, you know, they, they gave me that opportunity and I was able to, you know, show people what I can do. So, you know, coming into this camp was uh, a little more confident and, uh, but a little more motivated at the same time because I got to pr- prove it all that, uh, you know, it wasn't just a two, two, three month thing. Thanks so much for your time, Frank. Best of luck this season. Look forward to talking again soon. All right, awesome. Thanks for having me. Sounds good. Take care, Frank. Frank Frank Schwindel, the first baseman for the Chicago Cubs, had a terrific breakout, breakthrough season last year. Bruce, which was it, and how confident are you he can sustain this kind of success this year? The, The approach that he took makes me believe that he can be a good ball player on a regular basis okay and that by, by that I mean David when they when they were when he first came up and he was pulling everything uh and, and beating up pitchers they started to throw him outside more they started to give him more breaking stuff off-speed stuff and then he started taking uh those pitches to the opposite field and, and getting uh hits just continually to make contact I, I thought it was really uncanny and uh you know just one of the great stories of uh, 2020, uh, both for him and Wisdom. Wisdom in a different way with the power at third base and, and, and flashing some leather there. Uh, but with uh, with Schwindel, just the adjustments that he made at age 29 and 30 to uh, be able to, to stay a dominant player for two months. Now, does that mean he's got a, a dominant career ahead of him the rest of the time? No one knows. We're going to have to watch that, see how that works out. I, I do think... With his approach to the plate, he's got a really good chance to be a major league player for the next five or six years. And I think just for a quick, brief moment, people wondered briefly if Anthony Rizzo, some of those rumors this week, if he were returning, what that would mean for Schwindel. There's always a designated hitter option now in play, but that is a moot point because Anthony Rizzo returns to the Yankees. Frank Schwindel is your first baseman for the Cubs, and uh, and they will – DH by committee. I, I, I think that it seems to be the approach or the right now until the next move. And you wonder if there will be a move this week, Bruce. You're right, David. And uh, for people out there, I will be traveling up and back between Glendale and Mesa till the end of spring training, reporting on the Molly and Haw show and many others on the score. I'll be writing on the website, uh, 670thescore.com, and both the White Sox and Cubs also reporting here uh, out of here for marquee network so 
busy time for us. David, have a wonderful week. I know we have a couple more minutes left and people to thank. Yeah, we do. We, we've had a good show. We want to thank our guests, obviously, Andrew Vaughn and Sh Frank Schwindel, who we just heard from Mesa at Cubs camp. And also stay tuned here right on the score. We have Saturday Suckage, as usual, Adam Stadzinski in for Grody, Steve Rosenblum, as usual, and Bruce, 3 o'clock today, Padres, Cubs, Pat Hughes, Ron Coomer, just as, as uh, we have been waiting for back here on the score with Cubs baseball. Look forward to uh, reporting back to you guys uh, at the station this week, and I'll talk to you next Saturday. Thanks, David. Great. Looking forward to it. Carlos Correa to the Twins. What does it mean? Stay tuned to the score. Stay tuned to Bruce's Twitter feed. Stay tuned right here next Saturday Suck at Chicago Sports Radio, 670 the score. How powerful is Cox Internet? Powerful enough to let your band members in Vegas, Phoenix, and Rhode Island jam like you're all in the same garage. Get Cox Internet powered by fiber with America's fastest download speeds. It's Internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox, always building better. Cox Internet is connected to the premises via coaxial connection. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms and other restrictions may apply. Analysis by Ookla speed test intelligence data. Fixed median download speeds. USQ3 2023. Celebrate and save at Ashley's Anniversary Sale. With Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep Mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases. And shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details.